0: Okay, let's turn to Revelation chapter 20. I just want to look at a few things in chapter 20 before we go to chapter 21. Chapter 21 is where we'll spend the majority of the time. If Uh, In this class, I'd like to make it through the chapter, uh, if it's at all possible. But in chapter 20, and we'll we'll just read a couple verses to bring us to where we want to be here. Verse 1, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent. And he goes on, he cast him in the bottomless pit, In verse 4, and in verse 3, verse 4, and I saw thrones. Now that there is, in the Greek, is plural. And John does not say, if you'll remember, like the early chapters, he says, I saw 12 thrones and I saw 12 elders upon, or, or 24 thrones or whatever. He doesn't number, make any distinction how many thrones here he's talking about. Uh, And I believe that's for a reason. Turn to 1 Corinthians 6, verse 1. "'Dare any of you having a matter against another "'go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? "'Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? "'And if the world shall be judged by you, "'are you not worthy to judge the smallest matter? "'Know ye not that we shall judge angels?' How much more things pertaining to this life? So he's talking here, Paul was mentioning about saints judging angels. So there's judgment. When you look at throne, throne is talking about ruling, reigning, and and actually judging would be an aspect of that. And then in Revelation 3, you don't have to turn there, it says... Verse 21, to him that overcometh will I grant to sit, on, sit with me on my throne. So he's talking here about thrones. It could be a, a great number of them. And of course, as I've said many times, the elders qualified for those positions and those being on thrones will not just waltz up and say, Here I am, Lord. Is this for me? Okay. No, they will qualify in those positions to be in that place. To be able to execute whatever it is that needs done, uh, the Lord will have built that somehow into them so that, that that which is necessary in that place will have been in there, in, in them, in them. And Jude says this, Jude 14. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his angels to execute judgment upon all. And as I said, judgment relates to thrones. And then in Revelation 5.10, And has made us unto our God kings and priests. Now we can't look at the whole context here. And we shall reign on the earth. Reign, rule. See, not just live on the earth. It says we shall reign, rule on the earth. Okay? Now, I'll continue on in chapter 20. Another verse I want to look at is verse 11. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. Now, this is what I want to show you, verse uh, 12 and i saw the dead small and great stand before god and the books plural were open now remember that it says in the epistles of uh, paul he says that ye are epistles read of all men you are actually living walking epistles or books So the book here he's talking about, he says three things. He says, uh, the books, plural, were opened, and another book was opened, which was the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things that were written in the books, plural. So you have several things here. First of all, the books were opened. Now, it says in another portion of Scripture that we shall give an account of, of ourselves, to him, to God, so that whenever you stand someday before God or whenever those at the white throne judgment stand before God, they will give an account. The word account is the English word, of course. The, the Greek word it's translating is logos, logos. And that word there, the best way to explain that is expression. So, as you stand before, or someone stands before God, they will give an account, they will give a Logos. Now, it has nothing to do with what you're saying, because you won't be saying anything. Every mouth will be stopped, will be closed. But what has been done in you, what the Lord has done, or in the case of those in the world, their sin, their shame... Uh, their na- spiritual nakedness, all that will be exposed, and they will give an expression to the Lord, and He will look at them, and He will see that expression. It has nothing to do what with what you say. You can't. Nobody can hide anything at that point. And there you you're there, and you give an expression. The expression is your life, the way you lived the different characteristics that the Lord was able to work into your heart and life, all that is your expression. So in this instance, the books, I believe, is, is talking about the individuals, the hearts, their life. The books were opened, okay, all of them, as they're standing. The book here is open. Then there is another book that's open, and that is the book of life to show them that their name is not written in there and it says that he will judge judge those out from that which was written in the books and and then he says the last part of this verse according to their works and we studied works remember you won't be rewarded for your works the bible doesn't teach you will be rewarded for your works the bible teaches you shall be rewarded or judged according to, not for. There's a big difference. And here you see the same thing. They are judged according to their works. I wanted to just show you those two things before we move into Revelation 21. Okay? All right. Let's go. Verse 1, chapter 21. And I'm going to read these verses and stop and comment. To, till we get down to where I want to go here. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And God here is going to do everything new. All that we know, all that we see today, all that we understand related to the world, to the earth, is all going to be changed. That's why he says... I saw a new heaven, that which is up in the heavens that you see, and you can't see, God is going to do something different. He's going to, to make all things new. He's going to have a new heaven and a new earth. He says, for the first heaven and first earth were passed away. And he says, and there was no more sea. All those that are lovers and are worshipers of the ocean. Sorry to say it. God says it's not going to be there. There will be no more sea. It will be replaced with something far, far better. I don't know what it is, but I do know that. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So there in that verse, you see there is a preparation. And just remember that. There's a preparation in verse 2. Verse 3. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying behold the tabernacle or the dwelling of god the dwelling place of god is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and god himself shall be with them and be their god so there's a there's a habitation he's talking about here god behold the the, the habitation of god is with men, and this word "with" here is is a Greek word "meta." Okay, it carries the idea of uh, several several ideas, of course, but in the midst of God's going to be in the midst of His people. Uh, it also carries the thought of fellowship. It also is. I think it's a preposition, I'm not sure I think it is, but it it means motion toward, and it also has the, the, the thought of union, union. So God is after something, as he is today. He's after a union with you. He wants to draw you close to him. He wants to bring you into a place of fellowship with him that others may... Or may not experience desire or or you know move into, but he 's still after that he 's been after that all along throughout the ages, uh, in particular, you see this thought flowing through the New Testament, the Lord, you know you being in Christ, Christ being in you, and all that. It's talking about you know, him being your habitation, so the thought here. In the New Testament, Testament is uh, God inhabiting. You know that, okay? Not dwelling in some city, some building. See, He's after a, a different dwelling place, and that is the heart of man. Verse four: And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Well, that's really good. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. Now, that's a day to really look forward to. Really. And it's a day we don't want to miss. For the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Or I make these things new. All things. Whatever, whatever that encompasses all. I, I don't know. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Verse 6. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to him that is a thirst of the fountain of water of life freely. So what he gives here, what he's talking about, is based upon thirst. See, what the Lord can give you and myself here in this life, mainly is based upon thirst. So that if you have a Christian who is not thirsting for the Lord, they're thirsting for the things of this world, or, you know, thirsting for their own thing, what they want to do with their life, then what the Lord is able to give them is quite less than the individual who is thirsting for him. So your thirst for the Lord today, this week, this month, this year, is a very, very important thing because your thirst will bring to you from the hand of the Lord the waters of life freely. He will give that to you and he'll continue. As you thirst, your thirst for him is increased. He will increase the flow into you, into your life, into your heart so that you will be there in a place where you will be receiving more of the water of life than maybe someone else around you because of your thirst. Verse 7. He that overcometh shall inherit these things, or all things. uh, And I will be his, his God, and he shall be my son. Now, inheritance here, look at it, read it, is based upon overcoming. The inheritance he's talking about, Is based upon overcoming. See, the mature son or daughter is the one that inherits. inherits. And when it says here, overcometh, that's a present participle. That means presently, continually. So you are to have a heart, a walk with God, that you are continually overcoming. That doesn't mean that we won't fail. It's not what it's talking about. But your heart is set in a certain direction. You are going toward the Lord, and you will suffer the loss of whatever you have to suffer the loss of in order to do the will of God in your life. And when you do that, you are overcoming. That, that principle there brings you on to maturity. See, he's talking about sons. He's not talking about children. He didn't use the word children. He used the word, I believe it's euios. That's the Greek word for son, something different. You'll see in the Gospels, the word changes. For certain instances, Jesus is talking, or Paul may, may be uh, addressing a certain individual, and he's talking about children. and In another portion of Scripture, they'll be talking about sons. They're not the same word. They're not the same word. There's a, there's a difference, a little bit of a difference. So the, the mature son inherits. Now those in verse 7 are moving in a deeper place than those in verse 6. That's why they inherit all things. Because, so you can receive of the water of life freely. You, for example, you can go to church, you can hear a message, and you can be soaking it up. You can be, you know, your heart can be open. But yet, when it comes to something personal, in your personal affairs, you may not overcome. So you receive the water of life freely. What's the purpose of, of giving you this water? Well, it's to sustain you. It's to bring you on to maturity so that you can start to overcome. So the, the, the ones he's talking about in verse 6 and verse 7, they're, they're in a different place. Now, verse 6, as you receive the water of life freely, that should bring you, a little bit at a time, to what he's saying in verse seven, so that you would be able to over- overcome whatever it may be. Overcome could be many different things, not just one thing. And whatever it, it may be in your life, personal that personally that is a difficult area. We know we all have a difficult area in our life, you know, or two maybe. Some sometimes things are very easy. You know, you can make a decision for the Lord, and it's no big deal, and move on. Other times it's quite challenging. And I like the Christian walk because if you're going to walk with God, you'll never have to worry about being bored. You know, you, you're, you start, do around the house, you know, you sit around the house and say, I don't have to do, I'm bored. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you what you walk with the Lord, and you get involved with Him, it becomes an exciting life because He will challenge you above what you're able. You can't do it. I can't do this, Lord. It's impossible. He's saying, yes, that's right. It's impossible for you to do it. That's why you need me. If it was possible in your own strength, in your own ability, then why would we need the Lord? So he puts us in situations. He brings things in our path into our realm of circumstance that many times we can't control and many times we cannot overcome it. That's a plan of God. That's the ways of God. So that you look away from that and you say, Lord, I'm done. I can't do this. Now you're looking to him, depending upon him, then he can take you further on. See, and and that's just one of the ways he uses. So don't think that God doesn't know what he's doing. For you personally, don't think he's forgot about you in your life. No, he's going to give all of us plenty of opportunities to become sons become sons Okay, in verse 8 yes verse 8 but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone which is the second death and there came unto me now John is saying that this angel is coming to him. He's going to start to communicate to him. There came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues that we read about in the previous chapter, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. So the angel is going to show John the bride, the lamb's wife. Remember, now this becomes the central, this is, it's starting to open up. This becomes the central thought in this chapter. If you don't see this being the central thought, you're going to miss what it's saying here in this whole chapter. Go back to verse 2 just for a second. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. See, there's the thought there. You'll see the thought in verse 10, 9, 10, and 11, and then it just proceeds from there. Now in verse 10, now I want to read this whole thing together, then I'll back up and we'll look at it again. He says, come hither, I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. Now you you got that. That is what he's going to show John. I'm going to show the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Is he showing John, the bride, the lamb's wife, or is he showing him some new structure that is going to float out of heaven and find its abode in the Middle East? Now, you can go to commentaries, and most of the commentaries will say that it is a literal city. Well, it is a literal city, but it's not a city that we picture in our minds. See, he's not going to to show him the bride, and now all of a sudden switch and show him some literal building structure that is coming down from heaven. He's going to show him something here. Very important that you see that. See, he's not just showing him the city. See, my question was when I read this, is he showing him the bride or is he showing him the city? I think he's showing him both. He's showing him the same thing. It's the same thing. There's not two different things here. He's not showing him the bride, then all of a sudden, okay, that's that. Now he's going to show him New Jerusalem. No, it's the same. It's the same thing he's showing him. Now look in, hold your place and look in Revelation 3, verse 12. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. So that means that if, as you overcome it as a Christian, you become this cement pillar, right? That's not what it's meaning. Now we don't take it at that, do we? No, we're, we're saying he's speaking figuratively. You say, okay, he's going to make you a, a pillar. So I'm going to be standing there for all eternity straight. No, it's not talking about that. But I wanted to show you that that same figurative speech is seen in Revelation, and it's seen different places in the New Testament in particular. The teaching in the New Testament, as I said earlier, is that the habitation of of God is man, not some building or some city. You are to be a habitation of God built through the Spirit. What did Jesus say? He said, I want, my Father and I will come and make our what with you? Abode. That's a habitation where he inhabits you. Now, in Ephesians, we're going to go back to Revelation shortly, but Ephesians 2. I'm going to stay with this thought for a few minutes. Okay, verse 19. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles. Now, is he talking about a brick and mortar, mortar, mortar foundation? No. You know he's, he's not. And prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Now, I keep mentioning this because I want to, to show you that you know, this is figurative speech. And we understand it. We use it. We, we read it all the time. Jesus Christ is not a stone that's in the corner, like, like a stone in his building. But he is in this spiritual building, you see. In whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple. Do you see that? What is he talking about is growing to a, into a holy temple? We are. We are. We are in whom you, 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 also are built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. So you are the one that the Lord is interested in inhabiting. He's interested in inhabiting people, not some structure, not some city, and so on. He's interested in the bride. The bride will be inhabited by the Lord. Uh, Galatians 4. And I just wanted to give you a few scriptures to show you this. And I know we know these, but this will help you when we go back to Revelation 21. Galatians 4.19. My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. The habitation, see. He wants to inhabit you. So that was upon the heart of Paul when he went to minister, when he went out to the different churches and wrote to the churches. So he says this, that you know, I travail again in, in birth for you that Christ would be formed in you, so that He would come, in, and we're not talking about what you receive initially at salvation. This is something different, something different, something further, better, better way to say it. So, so the Lord wants to inhabit His people. Remember, you'll see in the New Testament uh, Christ in you. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. See, that's, that's Christ being in you. Then there's such a thing as you being in Christ and him being in you, him being formed in you. So you're in Christ. Any man be in Christ. See, but it's different now. You have to walk a certain way. You have to live a certain life. You have to allow the Lord to have his way with you. That's all a part of him being formed in you. See, it's not a you know, split-second thing. It, it, it's, a, it's a process where he is being formed in you, and then now he becomes in you, and you are his habitation. He's inhabiting you. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, in you, the hope of glory, the hope of glory. Back in Revelation. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having or possessing, possessing, possessing the glory of God. See, not a city that possesses or holds the glory of God, but the bride, the lamb's wife, having, having, possessing the glory of God. See, a building can't possess Solomon's temple. The glory came in Solomon's temple, but the temple can't possess the glory of God. See, God wasn't satisfied with that arrangement, you know. He was interested in something more. He wants to indwell and to possess the Christian. So in verse 2, going back to verse 2 in chapter 21, John is seeing New Jerusalem, seeing not a building, but people who make up a spiritual structure, coming down from heaven, God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And Peter says in, in 1 Peter 2.5, you are built up a Spiritual house, spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices. See, so you can see this here. I hope you're seeing this because this is key. All of what we studied in Revelation was moving toward this. When Jesus comes to the churches in the early chapters, chapter 2 and 3, and you know he comes to them and he says, repent. And he comes to the pastor and he says, repent. Uh, you know, all the different dealings with him in, in uh, three, uh, chapter 3 where he deals with the Laodiceans. All of that was for the purpose of getting them to move correctly in their walk, getting them to walk with God the way they should, in hope that they would turn their heart to the Lord correctly, And that he would continue the process that he's involved in in their life. See, the Christian walk is just, don't. you know, I get saved and go to church and read my Bible and, you know, die and go to heaven and that's it. It's a lot more than that. If you're in a church that just teaches that surface stuff, you need to find somewhere else to learn more. Where you can start walking in a different way, in a deeper area with God, where you're starting to learn the ways of God. That's what's important. So that the character of Jesus Christ can be built in you, in you, in you, that he would possess you. The bride, the bride will be possessed by the Lord. And Jesus will not marry flesh. He will not marry carnality. The carnal Christian may make it to heaven, but they will not be in the union of the marriage because Jesus is not marrying flesh. Now, people don't want to believe that. That's up to them. But he's not. And I I say that with confidence because I, I see it in the scriptures. It's there. There's enough warnings in the Bible for the Christian to to walk the way they should, if they want to. There's enough. The Lord is interested in bringing certain things to you personally, and he will. He will. It's not about what you know. It's about what you are. It's not about what you know. What I understand and what I am are two different things, or can be. The Lord wants to bring them closer and closer and closer together until that which is perfect has come. Well, what's that? Jesus? No, it's not talking about that in in Corinthians 13. It's talking about bringing you from what you know and what you are, and they might be quite far apart, to where, okay, what you are now is coming very close to what you know. See, I don't want to be up here just teach these things. I want things moving in my life. So teach it's not about me teaching it. I mean, that may help you. But I want to walk with God in a way where he's able to bring me where I need to be. And, and you too. I want, you, I want to see you to walk, walk that way. That God will bring you as far as he can bring you in the life you have. And I'm telling you, it goes very, very quickly, doesn't it? Doesn't it, John? Yeah. You know, you be in the Lord 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, it's like not enough time. Sometimes I say, Lord, be patient. Spare me. Give me a little more time before I leave so that I can have more of the character of Christ developed in my life. But I guess not everybody has that desire. I don't know. Okay. Now, getting back to this thought here that we're seeing in uh, chapter 21, verses 9, 10, and 11, and I I just want to say this, that whenever the word church is used in the Bible, do we think of a physical building? No, we don't. Whenever it talks about people being the bride of Christ, see, how do we view that? The people are being built, you see. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. <coughs> He's not talking about a physical building. When the bride is mentioned, we're not thinking of some building, you see. But whenever it comes to the new Jerusalem, there is this, in our minds, many times with Christians, there's a flip-flop. Now they're, gonna, they're thinking about some physical building. I'm trying to really get you to see I mean, if somebody wants to believe that, that's fine. I don't really believe that's what it's saying here at all. I believe the focus is on the bride. And what John is seeing descending out of heaven is not a literal structure per se. He's seeing it as New Jerusalem, something new. Remember, God's going to do all these new things. This is a building or a city that God has been been preparing from the beginning from the creation of man, bringing all those that he can together in Christ. And John is seeing in spirit, and he's seeing the bride, the Lamb's wife, descending, the new Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. That's what's descending, not some literal... Well, it's, it's, a, it's going to be like a literal structure, but it's not a structure like we picture, like some building in, you know, like Jerusalem. Jerusalem's going to be gone, most likely. It's going to be all gone. Everything's going to be new. In Isaiah 66, so remember, that is not a literal, or I put it this way, it's not a physical city that we can relate to as a city today. Isaiah 66, verse 1. Thus saith the Lord, The heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house, or where is the habitation? That's actually what that word house means, habitation. Where is the, ha- the habitation that ye built unto me, and where is the place of my rest? Well, some city. Some church. Okay, let's read on. For all those things hath my hands made. He's talking about literal buildings and that, that which is on the earth. And all those things have been, saith the Lord, but to this man, or to this will I look. Now, he's he's talking here about the place of his habitation. Even to him that is poor, and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. That's the habitation that God's talking about there. The individual who is poor, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. The poor and contrite of spirit, that's his habitation. And and for the Lord to inhabit an individual, they have to come down. You have to come down in your heart to walk with him. I mean, to walk with him the way he wants you to walk with him. Your heart comes down to a lower place. It should be. And the Lord sees that and he says, Huh, that's just what I've been looking for. That's just what I've been looking for. I want to go to that individual that they would become my habitation. Wow. it's Really something. Now back in Revelation 21, in verse 2 is the first mention here of New Jerusalem. And this key word here that I see is the word prepared. It's coming down out of heaven, prepared, prepared, prepared. See, the Lord is interested in preparing you and I today. We are involved in the time of the preparation of the bride of Christ. Do you know that? He is preparing a bride. He's been preparing a bride. And preparation means preparation. It means certain things will have to be changed and and done within me to prepare me. Now, the interesting thing is the same Greek word, turn over to chapter 19, the same Greek word that we're seeing here, prepared. Now, I think that's wrong. I think it's the word adorned here. Prepared as a bride, adorned. Adorned is the word, I believe. That same word is seen in Revelation 19, verse 7. And let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb is come and his wife, and here's the same word, hath made ready. Hath made herself ready. Those three English words same Greek word that we're seeing. So you're seeing here that in verse 7 in chapter 19, he's talking about his bride, the Lamb's wife. Going over to 21.2, the same thought. Even though it says this as a bride, it still is the same thought using the same Greek word adorned. You are in the process, hopefully, of being adorned by the Lord. Prepared, prepared, prepared. Now in verse 11, having the glory of God. See, the prepared ones share in God's glory. The prepared ones. Look in Romans 9. Hold your place in Revelation Romans 9 verse 23 And that he might make might make known that subjunctive mood the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he had afore or before prepared unto glory prepared unto glory See, the prepared ones are the ones who will share in his glory. If a Christian is going to do their own thing, walk their own way, make their own choices, and are not even concerned about God, the will of God, the purpose of God, the ways of God in their life, they are not interested in him and all the, They're interested in going to heaven. See, but they're not interested in maybe the will of God for their life or to press on toward him, well, then they will not be prepared. I'm not talking about the rapture, being prepared for the rapture. I'm talking about being prepared for the union with Christ. The bride hath made herself ready. She prepared. So he says here uh, that he might make known might subjunctive mood that means it's in the realm of possibility not necessarily a sure thing but he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which the ones who had before were prepared unto glory which he had afore prepared unto glory even us whom he hath called so We can all qualify for all these different things. See, we can sit down and read the Bible and we can actually attain to those things in a lot of these verses. But we need to walk with Him. If we are not walking with Him, then what we will have when we leave this life may be a lot less than we thought. Or we may be surprised when we get on the other side. I believe that there's going to be a lot of Christians in shock. When they find out that they're not included in everything in heaven because of their life, because of their expression, however you want to say that, because of their walk, because of their own will. When they're not included, they're going to be in shock. So the Lord he wants to include all of us. That is why at this church we teach what we teach to shake people up. Hopefully somehow some way they'll direct their hearts toward the Lord and they won't be turned aside by the world. It's so easy to get involved with all these different things in the world that will suck up your time, your energy, and all that God would would or could have done in you spiritually, it's all, the world has robbed you. Let no man take your crown. Crowns can be lost. Why would he say that if they couldn't? Let no man take your crown. You set your heart toward the Lord and walk with Him. Don't let anybody deter you. Don't let the thinking and reasoning of the world or other Christians pull you aside. Be determined to walk with God no matter what. Because the rewards, that which he will give you, is so far beyond what you know and think. Eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man what God hath prepared for those who are dedicated to him, love him, dedicated to him. Okay, let's move on. Um, Now I want to just read this verse from the NIV because I like how it's worded. You know, as I've told you before, that translations miss a lot. And sometimes one translation will give you a, a pretty accurate uh, translation of a verse. And then other times that same translation, the King James, NIV, ESV. It doesn't matter what they are. Other times you're not getting what's really flowing underneath, what's, what's in the Greek or, or, or what's going on. But I, I read this and I thought, if you listen to this verse real close, You'll see. This is verse nine. Wait a minute. Wait a second. Oh, this is chapter twenty, verse nine. Okay. It says, and don't read it in your Bible. Listen to what I'm saying because it's going to. In all your Bibles, it's going to read a little bit different. It says, they marched across the breadth of the, of the earth. And he's talking about the time after Satan's loose from the bottom of his pit and there's a rebellion on earth again. It says, and, he, and they marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people, the city he loves. You see that? Now, in, in the King James, it wor- uses the word and. It's Okay as long as you're still seeing the whole picture here, that it's being the same, it's talking about the same thing. But in the NIV, doesn't have the word and. Now, the and is in the Greek, but that's okay. For our purposes, for what we're seeing here and looking at, that they surrounded the camp of God's people, the city he loves. See, same thing. Talking about the same thing, I believe. Now, Whenever you move on past verse 11, this is the problem area of this whole chapter. Because now, because we don't understand, can't see any further, maybe we've never even heard or understood that he's talking about the bride of Christ. Whenever you get to the next verses, then everybody's, they're, okay, they're relating back now to a physical city. And that's just the way it is. But let's, let's move on. Remember when you read these verses, I'm going to comment as we go through here. He's speaking figuratively. Remember, John is seeing things in spirit, and he's trying to take words from the language of his day, and he's trying to put into some form that that somebody will understand. Or, or he, he's at a loss for actually describing what he's seeing, but he's trying through language to explain what he's seeing in spirit. Just like whenever the Lord does something, he may show you something, and it may be something very deep for you, and you all of a sudden, you see it. Has that ever happened to you? It's like, wow, the light came on. It's like, wow, that's really something. Now, to take that, if it's a spiritual thing, and to describe that in a way to make someone else that doesn't see that understand, it's very, very difficult, if not impossible. So the communication here in the Bible through words is a lot will be lost. See, this whole thing here, you have to catch that in spirit. You're not going to figure this out with your mind. You have to catch things here within you. When we teach, okay, the Lord gives me something to teach, but the teaching alone is not it. You are to catch something in spirit, see. That's the thing. Because you can walk out of here and just like you, you leave church and somebody say to you, What was the message about? You're thinking, like, what am I stupid? I can't even remember what were you just talking about for an hour and a half? Well, why is that? Because it's not about your mind. See, it's about your spirit, your heart. You can catch things in spirit, even if you don't understand them in your mind. You can catch one word that's said in your spirit, and you think you got nothing, and then five years or ten years down the road, all of a sudden the light goes on. And I'm speaking from experience because I know. And I've heard things taught and ministered. And it was like I heard the words. And I was able to, I thought, understand. But to really, in my spirit, catch it, I didn't have the revelation of it. The revelation was lost. Because it wasn't revealed to me yet. Five years later... Looking at the same thing, it's like the Lord gives you revelation. Not your understanding with your mind, but the revelation inside. See, that's something different. So let's continue in verse 12. Let's read verse 11. And having the glory of God and her light. Now that word her there is a pronoun, by the way. And her light was like unto a stone most precious even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. What is clear as crystal, and what is almost as a jasper stone? stone? No, what's it say in that verse? Her light. Is Her light, right. Her light is as a jasper stone, clear as crystal. And had a wall great and high. Now, right away, like I said, now we start to look at something different in our mind. See walls in the Bible were used for several reasons to keep things out. Was one reason. You know, just like an invading <coughs> army. Look at verse 27. And there shall in no wise enter into it it's meaning her into this new Jerusalem, this city. Anything that <coughs> defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abominable and so on. That's not going to enter in. Well, that's why the walls. See, you as a Christian are to have walls so that the things of this world, certain things that the enemy would use people against you to put certain things into your heart. Well, you know, you have a wall there. You are to have walls. God puts walls around you, so not just everything waltzes into your heart. You don't open it up for everything. And had a great wall and high, which is nice. And had twelve gates, and at the at the gates twelve angels. Or remember, what's the word angel mean? Messenger. Thank you, messenger. And names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children uh, of Israel. Now that's possibly talking about the the some twelve patriarchs, Jewish patriarchs. <clears throat> on the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations. In in them the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. So you have 12 gates or 12 entrances. You have 12 entrances. Angels or twelve messengers. Remember, messenger. The word, the word, English word angel is translating a Greek word angelos. That can mean angel, which many times in the Bible it means that most of the time. It can mean a messenger, like John the Baptist sent messengers. It's the same Greek word angelos. It can mean um, pastor. Revelation 1, the last verse, unto the angel of the church of Sardis or whatever. It's the messenger. The pastor was the one who's the messenger to that church. So there's different meanings here. And when he says angels here, uh, he's probably referring to the messengers. Who were the messengers that Jesus picked to uh, give the gospel, to commit the gospel to? See, the 12 apostles, that's why they're the foundation here. In verse 21, And the 12 gates were 12 pearls. What are pearls? See, Back then, and, and even now, a pearl is something of great value. See, the apostles, because of what the Lord put in them, they were of great value. They were 12 gates, 12 pearls. Value, quite, quite a large value there, you see. Verse, uh, let's just read verse 14 again. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations in them, the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Hold your place there and go to Ephesians. Mm, This isn't the right scripture. I'll I'll paraphrase it where it says that you are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Same thought. We're built upon that. Verse 15. Let me see here. Where does it say? Okay, verse, verse 15. And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof and the walls thereof. And I want to read this from another translation. Uh, I'll read from the King James first. Verse 16. And the city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth. And, and he measured the city uh, with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. Uh, let me read that from the uh, New Living Translation. When he measured it, he found it it was a square as wide as it was long. In fact its length and width and height were each fourteen hundred miles. Then he measured the walls and found them to be two hundred and sixteen feet thick according to the human standard used by the angel. So the point being here that this is quite a large city, quite a large city. Now, let me ask you something. Draw, I want to draw a typology here. It says here that the length and the width and the height were all equal. Tell me something in the Bible that you can think of that the width, the length, and the height are all equal. This isn't Bible trivia, by the way. No. That's close. I'll give you a B on that. The Holy of Holies. Now, who can tell me what happened at the Holy of Holies? God came and inhabited that, right, didn't he? Once a year, his presence came down in the Holy of Holies and inhabited it. It became, for a short period of time, his habitation. Here you're seeing the city, a cube. Same thing. I believe there's a parallel there. This is going to be the habitation of God, the bride. The bride. Verse 16. Oh, we just read that, didn't we? Mm -hmm. I'll read one verse here. I had it in my notes here from Kings. You don't have to turn there. 1 Kings 6.20. The inner sanctuary, that's speaking of the Holy of Holies, was 20 cubits long, 20 wide, and 20 high, and he overlaid the inside with pure gold. That should tell you something else. Now, you're drawing the comparison here. The holy of holies was lined with, he overlaid the inside with pure gold, the inner sanctuary. The city, New Jerusalem, the bride of Christ, is going to be overlaid, if you will, with gold. Now, we've talked about this many times. Purchase of me gold tried in the fire. Gold talks about refining Gold talks about the process of bringing the impurities and imperfections out. And see, that's what the Lord's after in your life. Exact same thing. Why do you think he wants to do that? Because he doesn't like you? Because he wants to make things tough on you? I'll tell you why he wants to do that. It's because he wants you to be a part of the bride. That's why. Not because he's out to get you. Not because he wants to make your life tough. That's not it at all. See, if we could only be transported somehow, some way, to just for a, a moment to see what John saw. If somehow the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ would come and bring us a revelation of the bride to see that, then we would say, Lord, I agree with you and I surrender. But, you know, we need sometimes a revelation, a revelation from God in order to give God what he wants from our lives. And, you know, if your heart is such that you want the Lord, he'll, he'll do what he needs to do with you. Somehow or other, he'll, he'll make you see things. If you want him. If you want him. Verse 17. Or verse 18. And the building of the wall of it was of jasper. Now, didn't we just read that? See, let me finish reading this here. And the city was pure gold like unto clear glass. Now, The description of the city in verse 18 and in verse 21. Let's read verse 21. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, as it were, transparent glass. So the description of the city in verse 18 and verse 21 resemble what you see in verse 11 dealing with the bride. See, look at, look at verse, I want to show you, point this out. Verse 18, look in your Bible here. Verse 18, you see pure gold like unto clear, clear, clear. That's talking about clean, pure, clear glass. Verse 21, pure as it were glass. That's talking about clean and pure also. See the similarity there? It's almost the same words. and I, it, it may be the same or it may be similar words in the Greek, I, I don't know. Verse 11, it says that she is as clear as crystal. That's talking about having the glory of God and her light was like a stone, most precious, even like a jasper, Clear as crystal. That means clean clean and bright. So the thought here is moving all along in this chapter, not just at verse 11 and now it switches And, and he's talking about some literal structure. No, he's talking about the Lamb, the bride's wife, clear as crystal. He's talking about the purity. As a, as a Christian, the Lord is to be purifying you. You, know, you are to be walking with him, and he's to clean you up. Bring a purity into your life. If I would have a desire that the Lord, I would ask the Lord to fulfill for me personally. It would be that the Lord somehow, some way, would bring to my heart and life a, a tremendous area of purity where I am pure. Get rid of the things that he can get rid of to, to purify me. So, so blessed are the pure in heart. Why? For they what? They're going to see God. So if you have a, a pure heart here and now, it's not always a future thing, you know. Something about Jesus was talking to people here and living in the earth. Blessed are the pure in heart. So if you allow the Lord to purify you and continue in that process like gold, you know, put the, put the fire under you, whatever he needs to do. Scoop, bloop, bloop. You ever hear the Lord come to a little scoop? No, I don't think, Let's get rid of that. Boop. <coughs> We're going to cry, you know allowing him to purify us. Blessed are the pure in heart. See, That's a process that the Lord puts us through. For they will see, or they will have revelation. You're going to see things related to God that you never saw before. But if you're going to live in the dirt like the world, you're not going to see things. You're going to think that's normal you're going to live like all the other Christians that don't want to really, not all, not, I don't want to give you the wrong impression. There's a lot of good people out there. But there are a lot of Christians that are just, they're not setting their heart to walk with God in the manner that he wants for various reasons. And, and so the pure in heart, pure in heart will see God. They're the ones that are going to see things. Now, don't be upset if you don't see things right now. It doesn't mean you're impure. It may be where you are at this point in your development. But if you develop normally like a child would develop and grow up, you will begin to see things, something here, something there. The Lord will take care of things. Don't worry about it. I told you before about what happened with me. I sat in church for years. I mean, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday evening, for years. I, I would have to say 20 years. Some of you might not even be saved 20 years. And all of a sudden, I was in church one day, and the light came on for me. It was as though I could see in spirit. I was oblivious to what was really going on around me because I could see this thing stretch across the church and it was almost like a a blind. And the, the, the Lord was raising that thing and I could see, I thought I could see up here, you see. And I could to some degree. But I could see as this was going up that underneath was a lot more light. You know, like a shade, you pull a shade down. And the shade blocks a lot of light. Well, that's where I was for 20 years. I mean, I was moving toward God, but it wasn't my time to see certain things. When the shade went up, it was like there was this revelation there of God. It was a revelation. Something happened where I could see things. And when I would start reading the Bible, it's like, you know, these things, wow. I heard, I heard things 15, 20 years earlier, and it's like, boom. I read And I understood it. But it doesn't happen overnight. There's no easy track. It's up to God, you know, depending on what he's going to do with you. He'll, he'll reveal certain things to you. Blessed are the pure in heart. Okay. Verse 19. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished. Now this is the same word as in... Verse 2, adorned. See how that all fits together? Now, in English, we're, they're using different words. That's why I say translations. I would love to see the translators translate the Bible that's not as readable. Keep the words the same so you can get a flow for what's going on. But that's okay. You don't need to. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> and the foundation of the wall of the city were garnished, with all manner of precious stones. Precious stones. And um, he goes on here from verse 19 and verse 20, and he talks about these stones, and and these stones are nearly the same stones that you see on the breastplate of the high priest in Israel. You can't go and look at the words. The words don't match up. Uh, But... From what I studied, it it seems as though they are very similar, and it, it would not surprise me because the Lord's dealing with something different here. You know, remember what did God say to Moses when it came to the tabernacle? He said to him, To be sure, let me see if I can quote it right, that you make everything after or according to the heavenly pattern. What heavenly pattern are you talking about? Well, people all think, oh, when we go up to heaven, there's going to be this this tent, you know, like the Ark of the Covenant and all that. I, I think it's something that that was a type of something else, just like we're seeing through through the, the words. The words are saying, okay, the new Jerusalem, but that is trying to show you a type of something different. That being the bride. Yeah, the bride is, if you, if you will, a spiritual structure, but it's not a brick and mortar building like we're used to thinking. The bride, the lamb's wife, there she is. Wow. As a cube, inhabiting, the Lord inhabiting her, yes. Yes, I have that. That's okay. That's all right, that means you're listening. I like that. So I think the thought here with the stones is not to get all caught up with the words and that. The thought is that there is this tremendous beauty beyond description. See, And and the Lord is not interested. Remember, Solomon's temple was more beautiful than any structure of its time. And what happened to that? So the Lord's not interested so much in a physical structure. This beauty here that is seen is the beauty of the Lord inhabiting his people like precious stones. Her light was as a stone, most precious, precious. So John is not describing the abode of the saints, but the abode of God, which is the saints, the bride. There's difference, quite a difference. So we're not going to read the, the different stones here. But um, one thing about the stones, it says here, that, that they make up the foundation of the, of the city. And the colors, as I looked at this, the colors were as the colors of the rainbow. All the stones were, were different. Uh, like if you would have, I should have told some of you to bring your pearls and diamonds in. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we wouldn't have had too many show up, huh? But if we would have s- different stones, stones like um, a, a beryl, um, diamond, uh, pearl. Give me another stone. Topaz. Topaz, okay. You could take each stone, and it's not that one stone is better than the other. It's that each one is distinct has its own color, and when the light hits it, for example, a diamond, the light refracts and goes in all these different directions. Uh, with a pearl, when the light hits it, it's almost as though there's a depth there to the thing, the way the, way the pearl is shaped, and there's like a depth there. So it's not that one is better than the other, it's that they're different. Just like all of you here are different, you're you're part of the body of Christ, but yet, you're a distinct individual that the Lord is working on to make a stone most precious. And so, they are similar, but they're distinct. I think that's great. Now, let me read a couple verses. Um let me see. You can turn to first Peter too. This is Romans twelve, four. For we for as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. So we know that. that there's different members in the body. And they're all they're all different. You know some are function in this area, some function in that part of the body. And so on. And then Ephesians 4.16 says, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow and so on. So that the whole body is healthy and growing. First Peter 2. Verse 5, ye also as lively stones or living stones. You see that. You see how the Bible, see, the Bible is the best commentary on the Bible. So if you're looking at a verse, it's good to search that a word, maybe a key word in the verse and look at other verses because you'll get a part over here in one verse and you'll get another part in another verse and then the Lord will put that together. That's why I deal with the Hebrew and the Greek words because you can follow them and sometimes there's a relation, <coughs> relationship between two scriptures, sometimes not. Just because of the words used there doesn't mean that, that, that there's something that connects, just like in the English, English language. But as the Lord reveals things, sometimes you can see things like that. But he says here, Ye also as living stones are built up a spiritual house. You see that? This is all through the scriptures. All through the Bible. A holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. I'm going to read that from another translation. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. Verse. Go back to Revelation 21. Verse 21. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls... Uh, every, every several gate was of one pearl, and the street. Now, the word uh, "street" there is "platia" in the Greek, and that's where we get the English word "plaza." Now, there's so many w- words that we actually have stolen from the Greek language, and sometimes the words are the same, and sometimes we change and put our own meanings on. But this this is probably pretty pretty close. Uh, And the street of the city, the the plaza, that means a broad or a wide place. The The street is a wide place. And remember in Matthew it says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate. Wide, wide, that's the same word. Wide, wide street, wide area. And the street of the city was pure gold pure, clean, and you know gold, as I said before, refers to purification, refers to testing and, and all that. The city was pure gold as it were, transparent glass. Now people think, and that's fine, I and mean, you hear songs about you know, walking on the streets of gold, but I don't think that's at all what the Bible is teaching and saying here. Now if somebody believes that and they sing about it, that's fine. It's no big deal. But I'm trying to bring to you something that is uh, a, a little deeper than the, the normal thinking on this. I mean, I guess I guess people will hear this and think I'm, you know, off my rocker. But I don't believe so. I believe it's it's the teaching of the New Testament. It's just that we, when we come to certain things and talking figuratively, we, we just flip-flop from spiritual, then we flip-flop to this physical thing, and we go back and forth, especially in this chapter. And th- this is not, I do not believe, talking about a physical, gee, I keep on saying physical, A um, a structure that we would normally think, brick-and-mortar structure. The Lord's not looking for that. You don't see that in the New Testament as being a desire of God <clears throat> or uh, a fulfillment of God. See, if you look at the fulfillments of God in the New Testament, you will never see Paul pointing toward a physical structure, never. His teaching to the churches, John's teaching, uh, Jesus always dealing with, <coughs> look at it John, no, we'll just wait on that. I was going to show you John 17, but we'll get there. Um, So anyway, Job says this. He says that the um, street of the city was pure gold. Job 23.10 says, But he knoweth the way that I take, when he hath tried me, when he has tested me, I shall come forth as pure gold. You're getting the similarities here? It's just like throughout the Bible. 1 Peter 1.7, that the trying or the trial of your faith being much more precious than of the physical gold that perish, though it be tried with fire. What, what's he talking about? Trying what with fire? Your faith. Though it be tried with fire, shall be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. You pass the test. So, you know, it's like the gold is being produced there in you. You want gold? Jesus said, buy of me gold tried in the fire. You want gold? Pass the test, whatever it may be, small or great. Ask the Lord to help you. So you you want to be involved in what he's talking about here in Revelation. We want to make sure I don't take anything for granted. Christians say that, okay, when you're saved, you go to heaven, you know, everything there you're going to be involved in, you, you receive all the rewards, you have a crown, you know, and we'll be able to cast a crown of the throne. I don't take any of that for granted. And as far as I'm concerned, if you look at these scriptures and you study them you will see, as with many verses, that there are qualifications. Not just you take a, you know, years ago, I don't even know if they do this anymore, but years ago they had this big thing where everybody had a promise box. I mean, they mailed them out from the radio stations, and and you had a little box with little scriptures in it, and you pull a promise box out, and that's your promise for the day. It's yours. It's yours. All you need to do is read the verse, and you'll see that you have to qualify. It's not you claiming it isn't doing anything. You know, claiming it does nothing. No, I claim that in the name of Jesus. Well, you don't need to claim it if you meet the condition. That's all you need to do. You meet the condition. Read it. Read the Bible. Christians do not read the Bible. That's one of the big problems. They accept everything they hear, and then they'll get in there and read it. You'll see qualifications in the verses. Very simple. One plus one equals five. No, equals two. If you want the blessing, if you want the fulfillment of that verse, you meet the condition. Deuteronomy 28. Very easy. If you obey me, blah, 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 you know all these blessings will come upon you. Oh, look at all the blessings that come upon me. But I'm going to disabede. It doesn't work that way. So there are fulfillments that God has in the Bible for you, for all Christians. And we want to have our hearts directed toward him so we qualify in things. I'm not taking any of this for granted. So the, the Christian, and I'll say it this way, the lazy Christian who just thinks that they can do what they want and and that's it. And I came from a church that, you know, you, you went and you confessed your sins on Saturday, went to church, had communion on Sunday, and lived like the devil from Monday to Saturday. And that basically was my life. And I could get into some devilish things. So that's not the way the Bible teaches. That is some doctrinal teaching, some church teaching, but Jesus never taught that. And I'm say, not saying that they teach that per se, but the system is set up that it leans toward that, and that's what people do. I don't take things for granted. Neither should you. You, know, you walk with the Lord today, where he wants you to walk today, and, and you are be obedient to him, and all these other things, they'll, they'll take care of themselves. And, and if you are purified... Everybody's concerned about getting to heaven. Don't even worry about heaven. Don't even think about heaven. You don't have to worry about it. This doesn't occupy your thinking. If you walk with the Lord, and you're in His will, there's no place in the universe, in the creation, that you're going to go. There's no place for for God to put you but heaven. So you don't have to worry about it. Be concerned about what's going on now to see if you're. Moving in the will of God, you are where you are to be. You are uh, fulfilling certain uh, conditions to meet. You're meeting those to, to bring about whatever the Lord once brought about. Okay, verse. Okay, I want to look at still in this verse. Where are we here? 21? Yes. Transparent glass. Now, I thought about that. Now, I, I'm not going to go through all these verses and look at all these words. It would take us forever. But the one verse that came to my mind is, is in 2 um, Corinthians. And what, what, is, what is transparent glass? I don't, I don't know, but it's all, whatever it is, it seems as though you can look through it, it's transparent. Like glass. Transparent would mean to me you could look through it. We as Christians want to have hearts that are like that. So he's describing the bride. Have you ever run across somebody who is transparent? You know, it's like they're not hiding anything, there's nothing going on with them. You know, just like you can see right through them. Well, that's what the Lord wants, actually, for you and me, that we are like, we're transparent. We're not trying to hide our sin or hide this or hide that from, you know, anybody or from him. And in 2 Corinthians, you don't have to turn there. It says, but we all with open face, that means unveiled. The word open there in the King James means unveiled. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He will unveil us. He'll take away the veil so that he can see what's going on and get to the bottom of what's happening in your heart, we all with unveiled face now that's the that's the work of the spirit there, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord see so that is is a work that the Lord does, so that you and I would become transparent to him, so you know you could before him and You're not hiding anything. Well, the city here is of transparent, let me read it. The street of the city, the city, was pure gold as it were. See, the purification, now if you purify gold and you keep heating it, it's still going to have that goldish, yellowish color, you know. Uh, I would assume. Does it ever get it, if you purify it, you keep on purifying it, does it get any color, other color? Maybe a little bit lighter? But it doesn't get transparent to where you can see through it. Can't, I mean, that would be like a diamond. It doesn't get like that. But the bride, because of the work of the Spirit in her life, because of uh, the process of purification there is is so refined that she becomes as transparent glass. Wow. Makes me just want to say, here, Lord, <laughs> do what you need to do with me. It's Quite something. As transparent glass. See, that, that's talking about, I believe, a certain quality. Quality. Now, you ever meet a quality Christian? You're around them and, there's just a quality about them. Not because they know this and that. It's just about, about them there's a quality. Well, That's what it's talking about, the quality that's seen there. The quality that has been developed by the Lord himself. or his wife hath made herself ready. That means that she was surrendered. She, that's, how, that's how the process works. That's what made it to, to, that's what brought it to a fulfillment. See, his wife hath made herself ready. She was there surrendered to him. Surrendered. Uh, in Song of Solomon, the Lord brings the betrothed, his, his, uh, who he's engaged to, brings her along, the different ways of God, different uh, things worked into her through him through his interaction. Remember in Song of Solomon where the one one part part she's looking for him and he he like withdraws himself and she's like she's looking for him and she's going through the city looking for him. In another part, uh, he veils himself behind a trellis. See why? Well, he's trying to draw her on so that she would be surrendered to him. That he could prepare her. This is a preparation. And eventually in whatever chapter, chapter 6, she arrives at the marriage hall and there there you are. She, She just doesn't walk in there. She has been brought in there prepared, prepared. Verse 21 also talks about the pearls like we saw before. Uh, verse twenty two and I saw no temple there. now this this is what Jesus is uh, I'll show you what he was teaching in John seventeen and I believe it relates to this here. And I saw no temple there for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. Now in John seventeen, turn there, one verse. Now we can't look at the whole chapter, but we'll kind of get down to the bottom line here. John 17, verse 21. Now remember it says, there is no temple there for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. Now, Jesus says this. He's praying to the Father, and he's, he's praying about those that he, the, the disciples that were given him and those that would follow, meaning us, all of us. Verse 21, they all, uh, that they all may be one, and that's subjunctive mood. It's possible. That's what that means it's possible po- this could possibly happen it's not necessarily a guaranteed thing but they may be one as thou father art in me and I in thee that they also may be one in us. see there's not going to be a temple in the city because the Lord, the lamb and, and the father are going to be the temple thereof he's talking about this oneness see that we would all be one. We would be one with Jesus in, in Christ, in God. I mean, it's, it's hard for us to understand that because we think in this dimension. But obviously, in the spiritual realm, the, the, these dimensions don't exist as we know them. They're, they're different. And so he says that we may all be one, that they would be one in us that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, so that's the reason see that that you see here that the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it it's not going to be you hear these things because Moses made the um, the tabernacle after the heavenly pattern that there's going to be a tabernacle and sacrifices and all that in heaven it's not. I don't believe so. That's not what that's talking about. He, he, this, was a, this is figuratively. I don't even know if you want. That's a good way to say it. This is, this is something that is moving in spirit. That that is a shadow of. You see that in Hebrews. They use the word shadow. This is, this is a shadow of this and a shadow of that. A shadow of Christ. A shadow of things to come. Um, and so on. I believe that scripture about the heavenly pattern is in is quoted in, in uh, Hebrews. Let me see, real quick. I think I know where it is. No, it's not it. <laughs> okay, let's move on. So, New Jerusalem. It will be the habitation of God, and he shall lighten it. Look in verse 23. And the city had no need of the sun, neither the moon, to shine it. Now, it doesn't say that it's not, the sun and the moon doesn't shine. I mean, as I'm reading it, I don't know. But there's no need. See, all corporeal life on this planet today is based upon the energy of the sun. Without the energy of the sun, we would not exist. The plants go through photosynthesis. They take the sun's rays. They develop and so on. You have the animals eat the plants. We eat the animals and plants. All that goes back to the the, the rays of the sun coming upon (coughs) this earth. Here, this is as I said in the first verse, there is a new heaven and a new earth, John says. Everything has changed. Here, life is not going to be based upon the rays of the sun. So there's no need for that anymore. That's a, a much lower plane of existence. Rather, there's going to be something different. It says that the city had no need of the sun, neither the moon to shine in it, What's the city again? For the glory of God did lighten it. You see the habitation. And the lamb is the light thereof. See, the lamb is to be the light thereof in you, in you. So that's the reason why you don't need the sun and the moon is because of the glory of God. The glory of the Lord will lighten it. The glory of the Lord. Isaiah, let me read this from Isaiah 60, and then we're going to close. Verses 19 and 20. (coughs) No longer will you need the sun to shine by day, Isaiah says, nor the moon to give its light by night, for the Lord your God will be your everlasting light. And that's just because right Isaiah saw this thousands of years before. And, and he says that. And you're seeing the same thing here in Revelation that John's seeing. And, and your God will be your glory. Your sun will never set, your moon will never go down. You, in other words, you, you will never move into darkness again. That, that's all over with. It's all gone. For the Lord will be your everlasting light, and so on. Your days of mourning will come to an end. That's Isaiah 60, verse 19 and 20. You'll never be brought into darkness. It's really nice. So what we're seeing here in this chapter from verse 12 through verse 23 is representative of the character of Christ, I believe, seen in the bride. That's what he's describing. He's not describing some city per se, like Jerusalem is now a city. But he's seeing the characteristics of Jesus Christ in the bride. That's why he starts to describe all these different stones, and he sees gold like transparent glass and all these different things. He's not telling you that there's going to be this wonderful city that you're going to walk around and say, Hey, isn't that a... stone?" Amarchist? (laughs) Isn't that a... um, Let's get a real good one here. Chrysophorus stone. Hey, that's a Chrysophorus stone right there, you see. No, that's not it at all. See, you know, we talk about it, it seems kind of silly, but... Actually, people think of it as that. Most people do. Most Christians do. But I'm just giving you tonight something a little different to see something uh, a little different. What I believe is really going on uh, in, in this chapter. And then he says, And the nations of them uh, which are saved shall walk in the light of it. It, it doesn't say it. If The translation says it. Now, it can be anything, right? It can be an inan- inanimate object, right? Mm-hmm. But the Greek is a pronoun. So if I say her, now that, no, that's not an it, right? I hope. <laughs> well, she's not an inanimate object. If I, say, if I use a pronoun and I say her or him, that, that's talking about something that is not an inanimate object talking about some type of individual. Well, that's what it is in the Greek. Now, let me read that. And the nations of them which are, are saved shall walk in the light of her. There's a different spin on that verse. And I, I don't know if that one is the pronoun or both of them in here, here are the pronouns. I, I'm not sure. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into her. So that, that to me says something different. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall, shall be no night there. So in, in Proverbs it says, as a man thinketh in his heart, King James, so is he. So when we, we hear that verse or we read that verse, you're saying, okay, as I think in my heart, that's what I am. And people do that. The word thinketh means as a gatekeeper. Or you could just say gate. As a man gateth his heart. So is he. So you as a Christian have control of the gate of your heart. You can open it to certain things. You can close it to certain things. You can open it to the the Spirit of God, to the things of the Lord, and so on. But when the enemy comes... Or the evil comes, you're to close it. Well, here it says the gates of it shall not be shut at all. There's no need for that anymore. No need for it because the enemy's not going to be there. You know, the evil's not going to be there. It's all going to be taken care of. It's all out of the way. So the gates aren't going to be shut. You don't have to worry about it anymore. You have to have your guard up. You can just, you know, be you. You can be you. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth. See, things can defile the Christian now, but then nothing will defile. Lord, I pray tonight that, as your Spirit, Lord, has moved in in this, I believe in your Word, to help us to see something beyond. a a structure that that people think and and call the new Jerusalem. But I, I believe, Lord, that by your spirit, you want us to see something else moving here, something else flowing. Not that we would just have the knowledge of this, Lord, but that we would help, that would help us, Lord, to direct our heart and our life towards you so that you can bring us into that which you desire to bring us into, that you would be able, Lord, by your Holy Spirit to prepare us to become that which you want us to become. I pray today that each of us would take this to heart and and direct our steps, Lord, towards you. I pray in Christ.